for what you're going to do in these meetings. And thank you, Lord, for blessing us to know you, blessing us to hear your word, blessing us to be able to make fruitful use of your word. For your word is holy. It's without blame. Your word can do anything but fail. So we thank you, Lord, for your holy word in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Well, I would like to share a prophecy uh, with you that the Lord gave me um, at the beginning of February. And uh, I always try to seek the Lord for direction uh, for the year, not not just, you know, got to have a prophecy or, you know, 2012. You know, got to find something to rhyme with 12, huh? Yeah, that's all that kind of stuff. But I, I do seek God for direction and, and vision. And so <clears throat> what he gave me was this. He says, the Lord is about to take his bride through a refining that will bring new vision and clarity in several ma- major areas. The first area is, number one, how we see God. Number two, how we see ourselves. And number three, how we see one another. Great kindness toward one another will be released during this refinement. Appreciation for the most vile parts of the body will be experienced. Judgment will diminish and great unity of purpose will overtake the divisions and schisms that were so commonly observed in the past. Ridicule of the less comely parts will cease. And those who have will give to those who have not. We will have all things in common. The big I's and little U's will cease to be. We will experience the same tribulation and need one another. And we will experience the same tribulation and need one another badly to make it from day to day. Personal walls will come down. Animosity jealousy, ambition, and the like will not interest his people. Only demonstrating his love and will shall be important. The formerly strong will become weak. Uh, I think I had a little taste of that. (laughs) I'm on my way. (laughs) The complacent will have new drive. Dead churches will come alive with the vision that he is alive. Many will turn to the Lord in repentance. His righteous judgment will level the playing field. Self-importance will bow to true humility. The dead will be raised in many places where his great love is allowed to be freely ministered and experienced. His word will be valued, treasured, and sought. The weak will become strong. A little one will become a thousand. So many souls will be won and converted. People will not care if your meeting is big, small, nice, not nice. They will come to meet God as he showers his love through his people. The world will see we have much to offer saith the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. So I guess we can say, say it's working now. huh? We can see small evidences of what God's doing. He does his work and he says, I will do nothing except I reveal my secret to my servants, the prophets. And so he is able to reveal secrets through revelation gifts And so as we understand what God's doing, we can more freely cooperate with what God's doing. We'll know it's God and quit rebuking the devil so much. Understand that the devil is the devil, but God is God. Amen. And we'll be able to know the difference. So the first scripture I want to take you to, he gave me, is John 17. And that is... That the world will see our love. Great love will be poured out through the body of Christ. The word for the God kind of love, agape love, is a word that was formed after the advent of Christ. There's no evidence of that word anywhere in history before Jesus came upon the scene. Do you know that? 
the Greek, Greek has about four or five definitions of love, and they're all very specific. But the word agape started when Jesus came, and it means loving kindness, tender mercy, and the God kind of love. So this kind of love comes only from God, is bestowed by God, and is freely given to the world. The love of God is a love that's freely poured out. It's not bottled up and reserved for some. Got me? Because it can't be contained. Because it's God. So in John 17, in verse, I think I want to start in verse 4, Jesus said, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work that you gave me to do. He says, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which you gave me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gave them to me, and they have kept my word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever you have given me are of you. And I have given unto them the words which you gave me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that you did send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep them through your own name, those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. So Jesus' prayer before he was sent to death and glorified was that God's people would be one, even as he and the Father were one. So what does that mean? That mean he talks a lot about him having shown and demonstrated that he came from the Father. Amen? And I think that's going to be part of what God is going to release to us is that is a knowledge of God the Father. That we're going to know God in many different aspects, but we will know him as friend, as father, as judge, and as redeemer. And so when you know God as friend, you don't hide from him. You have peace with him. It's easy to introduce him to other people. We're not going to be afraid to tell the truth about God as we know it. We're not going to be ashamed to tell people that they must repent in order to have relationship with a holy God. They have to receive a life of holiness. They have to commit to this life. See, we will be able to tell them all facets of, of what God has given us because our understanding of God will be a clear understanding. Jesus says, I have shown them everything that I know about you. I haven't held anything back. And so when we begin to to manifest what God wants us to manifest in this, what he's releasing now, we'll be able to show people everything that we know God is. We're going to be able to show them that God is nobody to be played with, but if you will play ball with him, you won't live a better life than to serve this God. We won't be looking for, amen, we won't be looking for seeker-friendly services to pull people into we don't know what just for the sake of pulling them in. See, the clarity of purpose will start to develop in a people who know their God. The Bible says when you know your God, you'll do exploits. Amen? We see people in the Bible and we think, well, my God, Shadrach, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in a fiery furnace. And we look at that sometimes as some kind of fairy tale, but that actually did happen to those young men. Because they knew God, they were able to stand through that and to do exploits. And see, God wants to have a people in the earth now who know him like that. That we can stand before anybody and tell the truth about God. No, he doesn't like homosexuality. I said it. Huh? He doesn't, he didn't make you like that. 
there's a bad devil out here and he twists and perverts everything. Amen. But if you will come to God in repentance, he can free you from that which has bound you. Amen. See, the days of, of Oprah Winfrey making preachers back down and be ashamed to say that God is against homosexuality, them days are over. You know what? God's sick of that. He's sick of it because he so loved the homosexual that he gave his life even for him. And if he will come to him in repentance and honesty, this God will in no wise cast him out, but he will accept him as his own son. You got me? And that is the only way we're accepted as sons and daughters of God is through repentance and through a washing in the blood of Jesus. To be washed free from your sin is the greatest. That's a great. I don't know about you, but that was the greatest gift God ever gave me was a release from the burdens of a knowledge of a bad life. And a bad conscience about a bad life. Why are we withholding that from the homosexual? Why are we withholding that from him? Thinking we're doing him a favor by just, you know, well, come on in. We all love you. You can stay here. You can. No, you repent. Because there's something much better. You, what I can give you does not compare to what he can give you. And if you obey his rules and his standards, he'll give you eternal life. So much more than a mere human being could ever offer to you. And it's worth it. It's worth it to repent of your sins and turn away from your wicked ways so that you can serve the living God. So the people of God are going to have a clear understanding of God as father and friend. Huh? You know, some of us have had good earthly parents, but you can't say you've had a total package. Huh? Dad, you know, you could go out and play ball with him and do all these things, but he drank too much. Uh, or one of, It's always some drawback. But with God, there's no drawback. You can know him as a great loving father and as a friend. As somebody you can go to and you can talk to him about anything and he loves you anyway. And he'll keep loving you and he'll keep giving you chance after chance after chance time and again. He'll show you his great love. I still want to use you. I still have plans for you. You're still in it. You haven't been disqualified. I'll never disqualify you. Hmm? And so this is what the church will be offering to the world. The truth. And it's a good truth. And we're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it is the power of God unto salvation. Amen. And so if we will release that power of God to salvation to people, then they will come to Christ. And our job will be done down here on this earth instead of us mealy-mouthing everything and trying to make it pretty and make it palatable. We don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to send anybody away. We don't want to turn anybody off. That's not our problem. God only told us to preach the gospel. He didn't say anything about trying to keep people around you. He just said, get up there and tell them like I tell you to tell them. So our understanding of God the Father will be a great understanding. We'll understand that he's not lax about sin. He's forgiving. You know what the difference between laxity and forgiving is? When you're forgiven, the Bible says that he will, he will, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just. He'll forgive you and he'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Which means that you have the power to go out and not sin anymore. So what he does for us, he not only forgives and cleanses, but he elevates us. So every time you go to him in trouble, you come out on a higher, you don't come out lower. He doesn't beat you up for what you did. You come out cleansed. Which means that you don't have to go out and sin anymore. You can go out and do righteous things. You can be a success for the first time in your life. And so when God, when you come to God in repentance and in prayer, when you leave that throne room, you come out in an elevated position. You come out much higher than you were when you went in. Because now you're empowered to overcome. Whereas before you, before you got in trouble and sinned and went to him, you were just stuck in it. You didn't know how you could get out of it. 
But you tried it one time and you went to him and you said, God, please forgive me. And you came out and you found that you said, you know what? I know I'm bigger than this. I'm stronger than this. I don't have to give in to this anymore. If something different happened in, to me in there. And I come out of the throne room empowered to go and live in a higher level for God. So when you know him as friend, father, judge, and redeemer, you can elevate in his eyes and in his presence. He's also going to change how we see ourselves. We're going to see ourselves as the Lord sees us. You, you won't be afraid to go to the word and look in the Bible like you can't measure up to that. You'll hunger for that image. You'll hunger to know what God really thinks about you. You'll hunger to be what God has called you to be and you'll know you can do it. Huh? You get a prophecy sometimes and, and you know sometimes the word sounds so glorious you wonder who is he talking about? Is that me? Huh? But in this day we'll hunger for that word to complete us. You'll have a sense before you get that word that there's a part of the puzzle missing. And then when you get that word, you kind of get complete and you say, well, that's what was missing. I needed to know what God really thinks about me, what he sees in me, what's of value inside of me. I know I'm valuable. I feel valuable. But now I'm going to see it. I'm going to know exactly what it is. For some of us, it's gifts and ability. For some of us, it's, it's great patience with people. For some of us, it's, it's talents that we have yet to tap into. For some of us, it's going to be picking up the fragments of those who have failed and walking on and helping God with that. So God is going to bring out great gifts out of people, things that we haven't seen before. We're going to see people be gathered and people be loved and people be appreciated and people be cherished and people be, be honored in this world. Thank you, Jesus. Now the Lord's saying this, he says, the apostolic ministry will come forth in such a way, says the Lord, that they will, will, will gather up fragments that nothing would be lost. Now the Lord is saying this, that we all have seen failure. We've seen, seen great men of God fail we've seen men of God who were great in their own eyes fail and the Lord says true apostolic ministry is not afraid to go in and gather up the fragments where they have failed so that my people not be scattered and lost and the Lord's saying this there are those of you who know it's upon you to do that you have a heart for that because you look at those sheep that have been under a, a leader that has failed them and your heart weeps for them your heart hurts for them and you wonder who's going to take up the lost sheep how are they going to be cared for Lord who's looking out for them Lord and the Lord is saying that my true apostles will go boldly in and gather them up gather up the fragments of the broken leadership gather up the fragments of the broken church so that nothing would be lost says the spirit of God and you'll see true apostolic authority start to reign in the earth says the spirit of God for there are those who are stretching that they might fit the mantle now says the Lord they are stretching that they might fit that mantle now they are stretching that they might fit that mantle now, says the Spirit of God. Thank you, Lord. Now, I'm just going to ask you, everybody bow your heads. And those men or women of God who that fits, you stand up. I'm just going to pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. For a hedge of thorns around them to keep them pure. Thank you, Lord, for apostolic authority, apostolic intercession, apostolic power in their words, apostolic influence. That the faith of those that they are called to gather would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Let the people be drawn solely by your power. 
solely by your power, Father, that none of your sheep would be lost. Thank you, Father. Amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. So God doesn't want to see. He has a program to take care of everything. He has already had it planned. We don't have to wonder how that plan's going to unfold because God already has an anointing. He has people groomed and he has people in grooming and people being called to fill these roles. So how we see ourselves, we're going to see ourselves empowered the way God wants us to be empowered, the way he sees us. We're going to be able to go and do the exploits that we used to only dream about. We would hear of good ministers or great ministers that have done great things and we just wish that could be us. Or some of us liked it but we were afraid to wish it would be us because we didn't know what price we might have to pay. But there's going to come a place where we'll fear nothing anymore. Where everything is laid open and it's bared before us and all we have to do is say yes to it and there will be no fear to stay there and intimidate us. Thank you, Jesus. Now, the Spirit of the Lord is saying that there are great doors of opportunity that open for those who say yes to me, but many adversaries at the door, says the Lord. And the greatest adversary is always fear. Fear is the first one that rears his ugly head. But if you will step on his neck, And use it as a doormat and wipe your feet off on his neck as you walk through the door. Then all the other adversaries are very small compared to him. So use that spirit of fear as your doormat or as your welcome mat into the door of opportunity, says the Spirit of the Lord. And you'll find that I am there on the other side with everything that you need to be strengthened. But the first move is yours, says the Lord. Walk through that door. Fear will always be there as your greeter, your doorman, but make him your doormat. And walk right in and receive what I have for you, says the Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So you're going to see yourself as capable, invincible, unstoppable. Amen. Because God has put that on the inside of you. See, we're, our image of who we are is going to change drastically. We're going to not be little eyes or who am I to do this or they don't know me or nobody's heard of me or I'm not with this group and I'm not with that group. Huh? To be honest with you, I can't even think of a group anymore because everybody's a little bit messed up out there. Amen. So there's nobody everybody's looking up to and wanting to be anymore because we're all focused now on being who God called us to be. And that's where you need to stay focused. Amen. Know that you're made in his image, that you have imputed righteousness. Huh? Know what that is? Something you didn't ask for, you don't know nothing about, you didn't create, and you can't mess up given freely to you all you have to do is understand by faith how to work with it a little bit that's what i tell you just work with a little bit huh and god will show you the rest of it but see if you didn't have to manufacture it you don't have to worry about it you can't lose it huh if it's been freely given to you and you know from experience you can't mess it up because you didn't try Don't get me started, all right? Uh-huh. We've all tried, haven't we? And you found you couldn't mess it up. You couldn't get rid of the Holy Ghost. God didn't stop telling you he loved you. He didn't stop blessing you. He didn't stop giving you opportunities. He did all of those things for you. So he's proving himself to us over and over again that we are made in his image. We are righteous people. We have imputed righteousness. It's a righteousness that comes upon us and remains. If we cooperate with it and agree with it and walk in it, then it bears much fruit for us. Amen? And so all we're doing is learning how to cooperate with the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. God is going to change how we see one another. 
we're going to see the person sitting next to us as more valuable than ourselves uh, instead of the reverse. Amen? We're going to see that person as God sees that person. We're going to learn how to submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. Uh, the, what we thought were, were weak people, now we'll see them as people of strength. You know why? Because we'll look for strength in them. Uh, what you look for, you'll find. When we see strong people, we'll start to understand that there are people who are living by faith just like us. And we'll quit lifting people up way above where God wants us to. Amen? And on the same token, we'll quit putting people down because of who we think they are. Amen? King David's greatest strength was his sense of who he was. Huh? Did you know that? He had that as a young boy tending sheep. Huh? The first thing he said when, when he saw the Philistines on one side and the Israelites on the other side, he was appalled. Huh? He was incensed. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine to defy the armies of the living God? Only one in the whole kingdom who saw it that way. You know why he saw it that way? He had a, a good identity in God. He knew exactly who he was. He knew he was a shepherd boy. He knew he had to be faithful to his father's sheep or daddy would skin him alive. And he knew God. Amen. And so when you have those things, you know God and you know who you are. And you have a clear sense of your identity that cannot be stripped away from you. Huh? Even when David messed up bad, I mean, he was collecting wives. He did everything he wasn't supposed to do. But he never lost sight of who he really was. And all of your mess-ups, don't lose sight of who you really are. And start acting like who you really are. Amen? You start acting like it. And so we will begin to see each other as we really are. It says, great kindness toward others will one another will be released doing this refinement first corinthians 12 i want you to look there first corinthians 12 god says appreciation for the most vile parts of the body will be experienced people who never think they measure up you go to a conference or a meeting or a church and people treat you, you know, like you don't exist. You stay in a church for years and nobody ever comes to you and asks you, you know, pastor never recognizes that you're called to preach or anything like that. I mean, it's, it's disturbing a little bit. Huh? But that's going to be a thing of the past, you know, why? because people are not going to be so focused on building their own kingdoms anymore. Because that's not going to be successful anymore. Huh? The big mailing list, getting on TV, all the gimmicks that we've learned to how to build a big something and have a lot of money coming in and a big name. That stuff's not going to work anymore. You got me? Because people are after God. They're not after people. They're after God. So in 1 Corinthians 12. Eighteen. But now God has set, set the body in the body, members, every one of them in the body as it has pleased him. He puts people in the body of Christ as it pleases him. It says, if all were, all were, and if they were all one member, where was the body? Okay, so it's not just one thing. We're not a one note wonder out here. But now, are there many members... Yet but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't have any need of you. Huh? Because you know what I always feel immediately, you'll lose use of yours and you're going to find out what you need. You got me? <laughs> Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. Oh, those members of the body that can't quite get it together, can't quite get their finances straight, 
can't quite get their healing, can't quite get out of fornicating, can't quite, you understand what I'm saying? That seem to be more, more feeble are more necessary. Um, huh? Only God, huh? More necessary. Some, some, some people, you know, pastors, sometimes sheep will get jealous of the attention you seem to give to a, a, some other sheep. Well, they could do better. They just don't try hard. Look at taking up all pastors' time with that nonsense. They're necessary, more necessary. Verse 23, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon those we bestow bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God has tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacks, that there should be no split, schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. God's bringing us to that, folks. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers after that miracles, gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversity of tongues. Now are they all apostles or all prophets or all gifts of healings? Does everybody have all of them? He says no, but... Covet the earnestly the best gifts, but still there is a more excellent way. And that way is 1 Corinthians 13, the way of love. So again, love is what knits the body together in unity. The love of God, respecting God, understanding God, respecting yourself, respecting that individual as yourself then God can move in and do all the things that he wants to do in a mature body that understands his love. Understands that when God calls a person into the kingdom, he knows what he's doing. And that person has the same right to be there that you and I have to be there. We have no right to put a limit on how far they'll go, how far they'll mature, what they'll amount to. We have no right to put anything like that on anybody Because God has called those members of the body as he wills. I remember when we first started this ministry and and God told us, he said, no, you have to work with everybody I send. Have to. I'm glad he said have to. Because some people think you don't have to do anything. Amen. And so I began to understand why that's so important to God. Because for one thing, as an individual, it stretches me as a minister to realize that I don't have to have everything comfortable to me in the natural in order for me to be content in God. And what it does for individuals is that finally there is a place that you can go where people don't put you in a box somewhere and limit you as to what you're able to do. That place should be the church. Amen. You should be able to know that you can grow and you can be anything that you want to be in Christ because he empowers you the same as he does anybody else to do his will. And so the church should be the first place where people go to receive fair treatment. That's why the devil's always making us out to be a bunch of ignorant bigots and, and, and prejudiced people and, and judgmental people and mean people. Huh? Now, I admit there's some of that around, but there's just as much in the world, if not more. But they never get called on it, do they? And so in the church, God is going to develop such a love that comes through us that we will learn how to grow one another up in God through our love. Huh? It won't be a few just taking up all the pastor's time and never growing. But it will be the people that that God can pull into that love and into that nurturing. That they can be watered properly. They can be fed properly. So they'll grow up in the full stature of Christ. God's going to do it. They're refining will do it, folks. 
Trust me, the refining will do it. So ridicule of the less comely parts will cease. Those who have will give to those who have not. We will have all things in common. Remember in Acts chapter 2? When the church would would take, and we've seen, now I've seen uh, sprinklings of this. I've seen small manifestations of it coming through. So I can tell you in faith that it is part of the glorious church. It is part of the church that God is developing here on the earth. He's always doing it. It's just that he has to get our attention a little bit more sometimes. And for some reason, he seems to have, had, to have gotten the church's attention to want spiritual things. There's a spiritual hunger now that's real. There's a, people, you know, we don't want to collect prophecies anymore. We're not so concerned about the wealth transfer anymore. Uh, it's already been transferred. It went to China. <laughs> You know, it, we heard the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous so much it made us wicked yeah. in coveting what the neighbor had. Yeah. Huh? See, one of the things that you, you learn when you're a Christian is when God says thou, thou shalt not steal and thou shalt not covet, it's because he don't steal and he don't covet and he don't raise no thieves. He don't have a house full of... You know, I can remember when I was a kid, I'm trying to think this lady, Pastor Shirley would remember. who It was a bunch of boys in the house and they all stole. And you could go over there anytime. The mother let them bring it in and everything was hot in that house. You got me? Huh? And she let her boys steal and I mean, you go in there and buy stuff and you know, sheets for one dollar and all kinds, everything was hot in that house. Well, God don't run no house like that. His kids do not steal. And see, we've talked about wealth transfer so much, it's made us just sit back and think money was going to come to us like pulling a slot machine handle. Let me have some water, please. I forgot to bring it with me. I'm going to walk over and get it. I remember it. Thank you. I'm going to have to see lie on y'all with that one because y'all, y'all act like y'all don't watch the same preachers on TV I do. Money don't come up to you like that. Money cometh to you in labor. That's the way your father ordained it. Huh? Now you can say faith all you want to, but your faith got to have some feet behind it, some hands behind it, some labor behind it. You got me? This is not magic. This is faith. And so God had to show us that most of us was in some kind of covetous relationship with the goods of the earth. Huh? Now, the Bible does say we are the final heirs of all of the wealth of the earth. The church is. Huh? We are joint heirs with Christ, and his father owns a cattle on a thousand hills. So we are joint heirs, so everything on the earth will go to us. We are the final heirs of everything. But you still got to work through Jesus. You're a joint heir with him. He not your co-signer. You mean, I mean like the person, remember that person that you had to buy, you had to have that car so bad and they co-signed for your car and you didn't pay for it all and you lost everything and they did too. Well, that ain't Jesus. He don't up on nothing like that. You are a joint heir with him. So he not just a co-signer, he has to open the door for you to wealth. He has to open the door. You don't get anything without God's hand, and God is a righteous God. Huh? You better not try to interrupt. Money has an assignment in the earth. All money is spoken for. Huh? Now, the meek shall inherit. Now, we are the final heirs of everything. Don't get me wrong. It does belong to us. But there's rules to this game. And covet is not in the rules. And still is not in the rules. 
You got me? So we, when we get ours, we get it righteously. We got to do it without coveting and without stealing. And baby, let me tell you, it's a little hard. You got to want it the way Jesus wants you to want it before he'll give it to you. You got to have his heart about it. And Jesus is not hung up about nothing. huh? He's not. Not nothing that belongs to this earth except us. huh? He's in love with us. And he wants to take care of us. So you have to respect these things. You have to respect God's laws. You have to respect the assignment that money has on the earth. See? Now you listen, your prosperity folk ain't going to tell you this. Huh? But I can give you two living, well now dead, deceased examples of people that tried to interfere with the assignment on money. Remember Anna Nicole Smith? Her biggest problem was interfering with the assignment on her deceased elderly husband's money. Huh? That money was already assigned to his family, his son. And she stayed 10, 12 years in court. They were still in court after the son died and after she died. And neither one of them wound up with it. You hear me? So you must respect the assignment that's on money. Big devils guard money. Huh? And God's bigger than all of them. He can take, he can squish a devil any day and take it and give it to his kids that have a right heart and a right attitude about it. That's why you're seeing a lot of multimillionaire preachers not do so well. Huh? Because you have to be careful to keep money on its right assignment. Huh? Princess Diana's another one. She's trying to divorce the crown jewels. <laughs> you know all the witchcraft that's involved in keeping them things? All the Knights Templars and the Rosicrucians and all them swearing oaths over all that stuff. And they kept it in them people's hands for centuries. And she's just going to pop up. She don't like him no more. Hmm? And go take that money and give it to a Middle Eastern. You talk about war in the spirit, man. And that's the same war that's been fought for centuries. She stepped them right back into it. Killed her and Dodie. So that's why you don't get messed up with trying to take money off its assignment. God has a portion to everybody what really belongs to them you talk to God about it you work you do what he tells you to do and he blesses you you got me and forget about wealth transfer and waiting for somebody to die so you're the wealth of the wicked you'll be wicked yourself waiting up looking for your neighbor to die so you can go get his house y'all stop that okay so we said enough about that Let's see huh You've got to obey the laws of love. Huh? You know, I, I tried to find a house for a year. And, and it took the longest, you know, as I looked, God, you know, God always shows you things. And there were so many homes I went into where divorce had come in. And people had, and I didn't feel good about it. You think you feel good when somebody, the devil gets the ups on somebody and gets them in strife and they can't get along anymore and the kids are over here and there. You see kids, a baby's a nursery partially finished, you know, where somebody had dreams and hopes of having a nice home and then the devil comes in and gets them fighting and they can't get any long, along anymore. You feel good as a Christian coming in, taking advantage of that? I don't think so. Because I feel like if I had come in there six months early and, and helped them pray and, and helped them fight the stupid devil, they'd be sitting up there having a good time right now. You got me? So you don't get excited about this wealth of the sinner laid up. You know, it comes to us all the time anyway. Every time money comes into your hands. Ch- trust me, if you get a promotion, it's because some sinner then goofed up and can't hold on to what, what they had legitimately. Huh? So that's how we get promoted many times. But you're not rejoicing in the fact that somebody's lost something. It's, these are God's laws and that's just how they work. 
So we're not waiting for some big amount of money to fall on us so that we can get happy about it. We're not happy about money. We're happy about Jesus. Amen. And we tell the world about a Jesus. Could you imagine sinners going through trouble, turning on some of our programs on television? And seeing us talking about money the whole time. I mean, where's somebody going to go if they're having a nervous breakdown? Or if their kids are on drugs? Or if they need prayer for someone or an encouraging word just to keep them going another day? Where are they going to go? Anywho. It's going to change, folks. It's going to change. It's going to change. The big eyes and little U's will cease to be. They will cease to be. We'll love our brother as ourself. We'll experience the same tribulation and need one another badly just to survive from day to day. You'll have a, somebody that you know can pray for you. And you'll have to hold on to that prayer just to be able to, to stay focused and stay into the things of God and not give up. Because his love will be the most important thing. Amen. Amen. The formerly strong will become weak. Complacent people will have new drive. Isn't that something? People we thought would never change. God all of a sudden will touch them. Amen. And they'll get up and start running for him. There'll be a new motivation put into the hearts of people. And the Lord will turn many, turn the hearts of many in repentance, real repentance toward him. We won't have to soft sell the gospel. Because we're sick of waiting for people to ask us to pray the prayer of salvation. You know what I'm saying? We'll just be able to demonstrate the power of God and we'll know. And they'll know what to do. Righteous judgment will level the playing field. Self-importance will bow to true humility. And the dead will be raised in many places. Because of love and compassion. Huh? The compassion of God is, is such a potent force. It's an overwhelming force. And when we stop doing things for gain, for personal gain, for personal status, for filthy lucre, to keep the, the crowds big and to keep this going on, when we stop doing that, now I'm not saying it's all not God, but there's some of it that's not. There's some of it that is. If, if you go out there and you preach the gospel, in humility and God blesses you with huge crowds and praise God but some of it's done just for that you got me just for that you see a lot of these uh, church growth seminars you know to me that's pretty blatant it used to be where you just would would ask a, a pastor that you knew was a good preacher to help you learn how to preach better. Help me, what, what can you help me with the start? Now we got seminars where we charge people come in and we tell you how to grow. You got me? Like a bunch of farmers or something. But you understand what I'm saying? We, we aren't growing things. We're ministering to people. We're ministering to God's precious people, to his flock. We're ministering to them. So compassion will come in and rule where people would, would get tired of you, but something rises up and says, give it one more shot. Uh, they're worth it. Give it one. That, and that's God. That's his compassion rising up in you to give it one more shot. So a lot of people are going to return to the Lord. And, and because there will be many revelations of Jesus as he really is. Many Damascus Road experiences, those are going to increase, where people, God will sovereignly come and reveal himself to people. You know why? Because the church isn't doing such a good job. And these people are crying out for the living God. So Jesus will work with us in sovereignly revealing himself to people, and the church that's pure will start to have a good word, a pure word in their mouths and in their hearts so that they can preach the gospel where Jesus Christ is revealed. People will say things like that, well, I know this is God because, or I, you're going to hear that phrase a lot, this has to be God because, because maybe they prayed and they asked God for something and it shows up right on time. But we're going to be a church that marches everyone in its ranks. We don't break rank and we're right behind our leader, our Lord and Savior, the Lord of hosts. 
and we march right in and we run over the devil and we're not afraid of him and we're not scared of his people and we're not afraid of being intimidated. We're, we're the intimidators, not them. You got me? So we will mow that down and not be fearful of any man or anything. All of that's going to leave, folks. People will not care where you came from, what type of meeting. They'll just be drawn by God's spirit. Isn't it nice when you, you just obey God and you show up somewhere and you got what you needed. You got what, you, what God sent you there for and you're not disappointed. You don't go away disappointed. And I think that's the way it's going to be and that's the way it should be. Because God is going to rule and reign through his people again. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand on your feet? Praise the Lord. Bishop Russell, you want to come up again and we'll play and we'll minister a little bit? Now, there's some anointings and impartations that I, I believe God would would release. Not sure how he wants to do it, but we're certainly going to cooperate with him. You want to hasten to his throne again? I think we can do that some. And let's pick up there and uh, do what we can do. Thank you, Jesus. And if he just wants to impart it through prophecy, I'll do that. <clears throat> yes, thank you, Jesus. Because he loves us, folks. He loves you and he loves me so much unbelievable the great love the Lord has for us and we're going to let him be our main focus because he's going to demand it he's going to demand it I was married for almost 30 years and I knew when my husband was serious you know they had that look in their eye stop it I need to talk to you (laughs) whatever but there's a demand there that the bride must give her attention to the Lord. You got me? And so I think we're in that time now where you go to the throne of God and it's not just the same old, same old. You don't get a nice feeling in the worship and you move on. But there is a, an intensity there where you, you don't move on. You stay right in that place. And so why don't we stay in that place for a bit and see what God wants to show us. Maybe it'll just be a personal revelation that you'll get for what you need. But I know I love Jesus with all my heart. I love him with all my heart. And I know he loves me and he know, I know he loves you. He's proven that over and over and over again. He's so wonderful. So wonderful. Praise God.
we say yes. anointing for service is available for you. Thank you, Jesus. Because you don't have to hold back whenever you feel the Spirit of God drawing you. Come. Hasten to his throne. Hasten to the throne of God. Hasten to his throne. You want to serve him, you got to be empowered. Hasten to the throne of God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Yes. It's not just a call to worship, it's a call for empowerment. Praise the Lord. Nola, don't desert me. Where are you at? Praise the Lord. Praise God. Get him up a little bit closer. Let her be the first one, sweetie, okay? Hey, hey, 